Hey couples, it's Brian and Tracy and congrats because if you're watching this video, then that means you're still engaged. <laughs> we're in our pre-marriage basics series and today, lesson number two, we're going to talk about choosing love from day number one. We're taking a look at the first of these three pillars of a healthy marriage. And let's start with this. Modern culture depicts love as a feeling that comes and goes. Many couples use this unrealistic standard to measure the quality of love in their marriage. If you think about any of your rom-com films, it's always this overwhelming, I can't live without you kind of love. And that's what we kind of use as our standard. And what happens then is couples are married over one, five, 10, 20 years. I mean, you're not feeling that kind of level of overwhelming love necessarily day to day. So a lot of couples might be like, okay, well then maybe I'm not in love with my spouse anymore. Yeah, so Tracy, wait, hold on. Are you saying that our marriage, and we've been married over 20 years, that our marriage isn't exactly like what you would see on one of those rom-coms? I'm afraid that is kind of what I'm saying, but I would choose the kind of love that we're experiencing in our marriage than what any of those movies might be depicting because the movies are depicting something that's shallow and changing and unsafe, but the Bible paints a different picture for marital love. And here it is, love is a choice not just a feeling. And that's the first pillar or the first biblical principle for a healthy marriage. Love is a choice, not just a feeling. We see it here in Proverbs 20, verse 25. Don't trap yourself by making a rash promise to God and only later counting the cost. So Tracy, probably in a matter of weeks or months, couples that are watching this are gonna be standing in front of a pastor and taking those wedding vows. And so what we're saying here, what scripture is saying is that they shouldn't just jump into that. I'm sure they haven't. People who are, are in marital counseling at this point now, they, they've probably done some of the work, but what would you say to that? Yeah, I just think when we think about what happens on a wedding day and the vows that you say to one another, even in the rom-com films, when they're shooting a wedding scene, they're saying things like, you know, I choose to love you in sickness and health, for richer, for poorer, right? With hair. Or, right, with, with hair, exactly. And I think that that's what we need to key in on, that God's idea for marriage and his idea for love is about a choosing love, a love that even when you're not having your best day, even when maybe you're sick, even when maybe you lose a job and we don't have the money or aren't living the lifestyle that I want to be living, I still choose to love you. And that's what I'm saying. The love that you and I share is better and deeper and more meaningful than what the rom-com films or our culture would try to sell us on because our love is not based on just the temporary feelings of you're attractive to me, so I like you today. Mm -hmm. It's a deeper love that says, in your good days and your bad days, I am with you and I'm committed to you and I'm making promises that I'm with you to the end. And really the ultimate analogy for this kind of love is displayed in how Christ loved his church. He gave up his life for his bride, even though he didn't feel like it. We see it here in Ephesians chapter five, it says, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. And he did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. Now, of course, this doesn't mean that the church or individuals in the church are perfect because we're not perfect, but that's the beauty of this passage. Jesus went to the cross 
to die for the church in spite of her imperfection. Right, and I think that when you're getting ready to go into marriage, you guys need to remember that the quality of your love needs to be selfless and sacrificial like Christ's love for us, the church. That while we were still sinners, he died for us, right? It wasn't after we earned our way or his favor. He did it out of love for us. He chose to die for us. And I think in our marriages, even though we're probably not going to be asked to die for our spouse, we do want to ask ourselves to die to maybe our own needs or desires or our own expectations sometimes that we go into our marriage recognizing I'm now no longer living for myself. I'm living now and everything I do and say affects somebody else. And I want to love my spouse selflessly and sacrificially. Now, Trace, let's talk a little bit about the homework along these lines. We want you to watch our five love languages video and take the free inventory that goes with it to discover your love languages. Now, Tracy, for those who don't know what a love language is and how it fits into this particular topic, how would you explain that to folks out there? Yeah, to me, what I love about the love languages, it was a book, a lot of research, that Gary Chapman did to discover how we show and receive love. And he came up with five main ways that we do that. And that topic will unpack each of those five different languages. But the point of it is it's a great practical way to practice selfless sacrificial love because the idea is you take the inventory to discover your love language, but it's really about learning what your spouse's love language is. Mm -hmm. Because the idea then is that you start to love your spouse in their language, even if it's different than your own. So that's gonna take some intentionality and that's gonna take some, some you know, really focused attention to that. But that's a great way to start practicing selfish, sacrificial love. Yeah, Trace, I remember meeting with some couples in a premarital mentoring session and they came in together and they had their love languages listed out but they didn't really understand the point of the whole you know the whole exercise right. the, the husband or the husband to be was saying but this is my love language and they were approaching it just from their perspective like i want you to know my love language you need to learn to love me in my love language that's actually kind of the opposite of the point mm -hmm. right the point is no i want to hear what your love language is so in in our case tracy your love language is words right mm-hmm and so that's not mine at all. I don't need words of affirmation. That's just not something that I'm wired for. But I had to, instead of saying, hey, it's not my love language, tough luck, right? right? I had to say, okay, I need to work on that. I need to get better at that because it's not a language that I naturally speak. Right. It's like any language that you learn. It takes time and practice to learn how to then be fluent in it. And that's the goal, that you learn to love your spouse the way they need to be loved. And then they're learning how to love you the way you need to be loved. And you see how it's a choosing love. It's being practical. It's working at it. It's being intentional. It's not just about overwhelming romantic feelings all the time. Although that will grow for sure. When you're loving each other selflessly, you'll see how much more romance is added because it just shows this connection between the two of you and a love that you're both working at the relationship. There's no safer place to be. Yeah, Trace, I still have those overwhelming romantic oh, feelings. Thanks, honey. Just like the movies. <laughs> so there's your homework. Watch the five love languages video. Take that inventory. And then make sure to talk about all of this with your mentoring couple, and we'll see you in the next topic.